that's how we're starting off. Extra small, <laughs> small, medium, and double XL. Double <laughs> XL head. And it's just because it's been elongated over the years. <laughs> you hit it enough times, it just hurts. Numero 18. 18. This is our 18th out here in the middle podcast. Uh, I, I, I still to this day cannot believe how fast and how aggressive this podcast has grown. Um, we got some news back the other day. We're, we're averaging over 36,000 downloads an episode. It's blowing up like crazy. And I say that because I want to make sure that we are putting uh, the right personified air in the room right now because I'm sitting at a table. I'm in, I'm in, well, before I get to where I'm at, let me introduce y'all to my co-host. I'm, uh, I mean, straight out of Utah, Cowboy, didn't grow up a Cowboy, but you've already heard his story. And there's more of a story that's going to be written tonight anyways, but we got Mason Clemens and Mason, welcome back, Boba. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Glad you guys could be up here to see where it all started. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Like I, I thought, well, we're going to do, they said we're going to be in the Coliseum or whatever to go ahead and do the podcast. And I had no idea that we're in a Coliseum. We're sitting up stage. I mean, right now, if I look over my shoulder, which I'm doing, let that burn into your brain. There's been some, some cowboys developed out here and legends, you, legends over, over on my left-hand side, Mitch. I mean, Mitch saddle bronc rider did not grow up cowboy. I, I did. Did grow up cowboy. Did, did grow up cowboy. Yes. And then we, on the other side of me, which you haven't heard a peep out of yet, but you're, you're going to, we're going to get into the story a little deeper here. We got Kelly. I'm here. Present. There it is. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the thunder. <laughs> Thunderstruck. <laughs> so to go ahead and 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 introduce yourself, Kelly. Well, I'm a ex PRCA bareback rider, I guess. I uh I'm now an assistant coach at Twin Falls, Idaho, and I, I had the opportunity to coach on both of these guys sitting here. It's been a it's been a wild ride. It's really exciting. You know, you don't I'm kinda out of the game now, but to watch them accomplish their dreams and just tear it up it's awesome you, t- you talk about out of the game though it's funny because i'm sitting here right He's now not out of the game this no. bo- <laughs> kelly is <Far> from it <laughs> kelly waldrop did i say your last wardell. name wardell, wardell. Yeah. kelly wardell and kelly is 50 Seven. 57 years young. And uh, he's the kind of guy that if you met, you would say, yes, sir. He's ready. I mean, he's, he's tight like a rubber band. He's ready to rock and roll. And so these two flat bellies on the other side of the table from us, uh, they had a good they, they had a good coach if you were the one that was getting a beat on them a little bit. Yeah. It, uh, Mitch likes to tell a story. We were, we were training for the. It's a true story. Okay. That's, it is. Is this going to get verified by CNN? <laughs> Very possibly good. Fact check. I don't remember Real this story, but he Because tells I got it. him really good. That's Go ahead, Kelly. You tell the story. Well, we're, we're sparring for getting ready for the boxing smoker, and uh, that's our biggest fundraiser here. And The boxer smoker? Yeah, boxing smoker, the cowboy, cowgirl boxing smoker. Right here. Right here in this arena. In the arena. And this is this is a, fist of a fisticuffs. Yes. Uh, three one-minute rounds, boxing gloves, all-out war. It's a production. It's put up a whole boxing ring, and all, all the all the stages set alongside. It's... Well, this, we were going to try to get a sponsor about some kind of concussion aid, you know, for this, for this podcast. <laughs> we should have really capitalized on that. Before we get into the story, we, we told a little bit about Kelly. Just, I mean, I, you guys don't even know where we're headed with this thing, but Mitch, introduce yourself to and kind of give us who you are, where you are right now. Uh, my name's Mitch Pollock. Uh, I come to school here to play baseball. Uh, what position? Catcher. 
Did not see that one coming. Sammy Swami Samson, I was way off. <laughs> I thought you were going to say shortstop because I got to pick on him. For I, I played shortstop. a little bit of second, and then I played outfield too, but my main spot uh, was a catcher, and I went to school in Pendleton, Oregon for a couple semesters, and then I transferred here, uh, walked on the team. I had shoulder surgery and tore my labrum up and then rehabbed, and it kind of it just never got, you know, perfect. So I decided I want to ride bucking horses. So I come over here and just random. You're just like, I'm going to ride bucking horses. My kid was itching at me for a while. And uh, finally, I had some buddies on the team. There's a bunch of flies flying around. And I. Did I, you guys take a shower this morning? Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys clean the arena? You need a pooper scooper? Johnny, we need, a, we need a pooper scooper in the arena. We got flies in here. So, so you. you I just walked over and uh, at the time, Cody Demers was uh, the rough stock coach here. Talked to him and Steve and said, I want to ride Bronx. And they asked, well, have you ever been on one? I said, no, but I really want to. And they said, well, call us back when you get some equipment. And he actually been on one. And that, I think it was a week and a half later, I called him and sent him a video. And Cody was calling me and said that they have a spot on the team for me. (laughs) So this brings us back to our story now. College rodeo. We're gonna to get to your professional world because you're still in the professional world. You're you're an asphalt junkie just like the rest of these guys. <laughs> and uh, so the ring is set here. It's the boxing smoker. Yeah. And well, how does this story unfold? Well, we were sparring up here. Right over there, it happened. The the team you if you're on the rodeo team at CSI, you have to participate in the boxing smoker. Even so if you're we, a barrel racer? Men, women. Yeah, yeah we have girls. You, you box. box. You mm. box. If you're asked to box, you box. There's no saying no. <laughs> and when I left here, I was so happy I never had to fight ever again. <laughs> okay. I think you and Mitch ought to spar. <laughs> right. Like fighting a gnat. I was going to, he's, he's built like a spider monkey. <laughs> so that's what happened. So I, what happened? How? We were sparring over here. And who's we? Me and Kelly. Okay, you and Kelly. Kelly, 57 years young. How old are you, Mitch? At the time, I was like 22, 23. Okay, how old were you? I don't know. I wasn't. I was probably 54. Yeah, something like that. 55, 54, probably. Okay. But we were going at it, and he dropped his hands just for a second, and I popped him right in the nose. (laughs) And I, I got him good, and I saw him, like, squint. And kind of made his eyes water. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, man. I made a mistake. Yeah, I just woke up a giant. And then he <laughs> kind of looked at me, and I was like, oh, boy, better keep your hands up, huh? <laughs> Thunder. Kelly doesn't remember, though, but I do, and I'll never forget it. What happened after that, Kelly? Oh, we just we just kept going. We just kept going. I didn't because I because I'd had a few cage fights, you know. It's, <laughs> I was used to getting popped in the nose. That's the biggest thing on my face. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Kelly, let's go through your life story, man. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a little town in southwest Wyoming, Big Piney. Big Piney. Big Piney, Wyoming. It just say, I mean, it's cowboy town name. And and were you were you a rodeo cowboy growing up? I wasn't, but that's all I wanted to do from the time I was maybe four years old. I uh, my dad rode bucking horses, and the five time world champion bareback rider Joe Alexander lived twenty miles away. And uh, my dad and Joe were my heroes growing up, and that's all I wanted to do. That's all you, and you just wanted to ride bucking horses. That's all I ever wanted to do, yep. So when did you get on your first bucking horse? Um, I think I was a sophomore in high school. I finally convinced my mom to sign the release, and I threatened to leave home, which she wouldn't, but my, my parents <laughs> were divorced. But So I got on my first one, and I don't 
I didn't see any of it, but I lit on my head and I got up thinking that was the greatest thing in the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you how that went, but it apparently it went well. Well, I didn't make it very far, I don't think, but good enough to get enough. I was hooked. Yeah. And that's every parent's dream, right? That your kid's going to walk in one day and be like, hey, will you sign this release? Because I'm going to get on a. 12, 13, 1400 pound animal that wants to paw me into the dirt. At first, my mom was very disappointed that I chose to ride bucking horses. Well, yeah, I, I'm with your mom. <laughs> I mean, my mom was the same way. And then after I did it one time, like that's all it took. And then she's like, you want, do you need me to sign your waiver? Or? Nah, it took a little more for my mom. <laughs> Where are we going next? So, so did you go to college? I did. Yeah, well, I went to Sheridan College in Wyoming. Did you rodeo in college? rodeoed in college uh my first pro rodeo i was in college we entered a rodeo over in rapid city south dakota and i was uh at that time there was a horse sutton's had called tombstone that's fitting actually his name was all velvet so we called back for stock we're just dumb permit holders we really don't know what's going on in the world how do you how do you get the difference between tombstone and velvet all velvet they kept changing his name I mean, I dated some girls back in the day that would go from Tombstone to all velvet or the other way around. Yeah. Thanks to match.com. That's not one of our sponsors. It wasn't Uh, farmers only. No, that wasn't out then. Mm. I've been married way too long for that. So, so I get this horse and because I don't know, I don't pay attention to the number. So my buddy and we go over there, watch the rodeo the night before we're going to ride. And I see in the program that Ike Sankey's got my horse. I'm all excited. I'm buying the chutes. This big buckskin comes thundering down the alley. He weighed about 1,600 pounds. And I thought, man, I'm glad. I, I was scared of this horse. I'd never been on him, but I'd seen everybody at the NFR hang up to him. And I was just thinking, boy, I'm glad I don't have that horse. Ike jumps up there and goes to putting his rigging on him. I kind of eased over there and looked at the number on his hip, and it's tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> he went was, straight from velvet to tombstone right there. Right there. Yeah, I was, I don't know, I think I was never been so scared. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> My first pro rodeo, and, and I watched this horse buck Ike Sankey off, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, he didn't die. No. So so you're getting, you're getting the next day you're getting on this horse and what's going through your head as you're getting on this horse. Well, I just try, try your guts out. It was kind of a, I'd seen guys get backdoored. I'd seen guys get hung up. So I backdoored is, is when you are ejected coming out the backside and that your hand comes out and you go flipping up in the air and you might get kicked. Usually land on your head. Mm. If you're lucky, you'll land on your belly. I don't know if that's why I don't want abs land on their feet. (laughs) In case I got to ride a bronc tonight and I'm good. Got cushion. Right. So this horse is, uh, I pulled my rigging as tight as I could get it. And I ran my hand in as far as it would go. And said, kind of let, let him have me. Let him have me. (laughs) (laughs) Are we in prison or are we talking about rodeo? (laughs) I think it was like, uh, Know, the, first, the first jump felt like somebody hit me under the chin with a sledgehammer. He snapped my head. I don't know how far I made it, probably four jumps. And they hung me up and he was dragging me around the arena. And he was so big that my feet never touched the ground. But uh, I kind of set the pace for my career because I thought that was the only horse I was scared of. And I survived it. I was a little sore, but he drug me around. I got out. And I almost filled my permit at the next rodeo. We'd like to take a couple quick seconds 
to thank some of our sponsors of the Out Here in the Middle podcast. And one of these sponsors is Walls Outdoors. Uh, they have been a sponsor of mine for a couple of years now, and they're based out of Fort Worth, Texas. They've been building, and I say building because it's a it's a clothing company that's been built off of the back of people that are building America. Uh, the Walls Outdoor Wears have been doing this for eight decades. So it's not their first rodeo. It's not their first day on the job. They build the grittiest. They make the grittiest, hardest, rugged workwear that anybody could ask for. They handle the needs that I have here at the farm, as well as a lot of the guys on the farm do wear the same stuff. Personally, I like the ditch diggers. Ditch diggers uh, have a smooth waistband and the 11 ounce stretch cotton duck material is absolutely amazing. I know that doesn't make sense to you, but at the same time, if you got a dad bod like me and you're trying to move around a lot, you don't want that restriction around the waistband. If you have an extra donut, maybe an extra chimichanga, these are the kind of pants for you at the same time. Even though it's hot outside, these pants will let you breathe. So I want to say thank you to Walls Outdoor Wear. If you want to go and see more along their workwear line, go to walls.com. You can order that directly to your door. They'll deliver out here in the middle of somewhere as well. And of course, one sponsor that I really can get behind, and I'm so honored to be a part of this great team, Chaffee. Chaffee is a Western grown forage. It's an alfalfa based product that's grown in the high desert of West Texas, actually in the shadow of the Guadalupe Mountains, which is the tallest point in the state of Texas. Chaffee is a premium feed in the fact that we take alfalfa and we let biology do what it does best. It jumps in and it breaks down that feed through the culturing process that allow probiotics and all of these microbes to allow this product to be highly digestible by your animal. If you want more information about Chaffee, you can go to Chaffee.com. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram or just stop by your local feed store and ask them about Chaffee. If they don't know anything about it, send them our way. Have them ask questions. Tell them Jay sent you. If you're looking for the right forage for your farm, try Chaffee. So, I, I, you know, Mason was my first pro athlete in the rodeo world to, to interview and just hearing about the amount of travel and the amount of money that it takes to be able to do it. Was this in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s? Yeah, this would have been 1985, 1984, somewhere in there. And, and, and how were you, I mean, you've obviously selected a sport that's not... ESPN worthy at the time. I mean, maybe a little bit at the, at the finals, but at the same time, how are you paying for it? How are you? What? It, it was hard. How was life on the road? These guys, they earned every bit of, it's not like now. We didn't have sponsors back then. Um, my first full-time year, my rookie year, I had that same horse again the next year at that rodeo on my rookie year. And I placed on him. And I never won another check, so that would have been February. I never won another check until November at San Francisco. Uh, and, what were you eating? Yeah. I would go home, and my dad would let me work however many days I could work. I'd go back driving a rodeo, and we went to 93 rodeos that year, and I placed at the first and the last. It almost That's dedication. It almost that. ended me. But. And, I mean, how do, you, how do you finish a year off like that with enough – you know, tenacity to say, okay, next year's coming up. I'm going to go back and do the same thing over again. Well, they let me win the finals at San Francisco. And it's like, uh, like throwing that hook out there. They got me again. Right. So now you're saying I'm coming back better. Yeah. Yeah. And I struggled. It was back then guys wouldn't help you much. Uh, I didn't know my biggest part. My biggest struggle was mentally, you know, I would beat myself up for screwing up one horse and you would dwell on that for a month and screw up 20 more in the meantime. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's just, uh, it was a never ending cycle. It took, it took a lot of years to try and figure it out. And you finally started to figure it out. When did you make it to the finals the first time? Uh, my rookie year was 85 and my first trip to the NFR was 96. So talk about 11 rings. 11 years of just, but still had the, the, the passion and the dream that you were, that was what you were called to do. Yeah. It's, uh, everybody tried to get me to quit and my family, my friends, I was kind of on my own, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to quit until I crawled over those shoots in Las Vegas. That was, that was my dream. And I was going to figure out a way to get there, but it was, man, it was hard. Tell, tell us about when you walked into Thomas and Mac for the first time. Oh, geez. It's. I think it's like these two guys, I watched them. I wanted to be behind the shoots the first time they walked back there just to see if they had the same thing that I had when I walked back there. Yeah, I mean, the hair stands up on the back of your neck and it's like. But just a big old smile. It's <laughs> incredible. Can't be, I mean, all, all three of these guys are glassy eyed just thinking about, <laughs> thinking about the experience. Yeah. So, so you, you, you get to stand there, you listen to the national anthem. Your heart's just racing. Like I've, I've been working at this for a long time and it's 11 years of working at it. It's like winning the lottery. I mean, you know, it's just incredible to, I couldn't stand still. I was like, a, I don't know, jumping beam. <laughs> it's okay to be that way. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, really just watching video and watching what you guys do and what you've done. It's unbelievable what it takes to be able to be not only just to stay on for eight seconds, but to actually perform on top of that animal while it's performing is something that's absolutely crazy. And a hundred times a year, a hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. Or more. And after you went eight hours driving the day before you've been, you've been you sitting in a gas in a, station burritos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How's that gas station sushi, sushi working out for you? Well, like Kelly you said, sometimes you get fucked off and the next rodeo you get to, <laughs> it works out pretty good. And you win the next three or four. <laughs> right. You don't know if the horse is sharting or you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how long did you, how many, how many NFRs did you go to? I rode at four. Um, in 19, see the year I met my sponsor, I had a horse flip on me in Red Bluff, California. It was, it was the first time I'd ever been in the standings. I was sitting ninth in the world and a horse flipped in the chute and smashed me pretty good. And then I made the ride and I got off and I couldn't walk back to the chutes. And I thought my groin was tore. And so I. You rode that horse. I rode that horse. I placed and I was thinking, man, I don't know what's mattering. So I would take a month off. I went to my sponsors in Houston and he got me into some rehab and I'd come back and it. It, I just never could. It never got better. And I'd fight it. I'd ride once, take a month off, ride once, take a month off. And finally it got to where I could just, I don't know, it healed up enough. I tolerated it. And at the end of my career in 2003, I got off a horse in uh, Laughlin, Nevada, and I couldn't walk back to the chutes. And it had been bothering me for a while. Talked to our doctor, Tandy Freeman, and he sent me up to the doctor. And they did an MRI of my hip, but it turns out that when that horse had flipped, he broke my hip socket. So... Over those years that I rode for another 10 years, I rode bucking horses with that broken hip socket. And that there's a tendon that goes around your hip socket had turned to bone and my hip socket was too long. So every time I would ride, when I'd spur, my femur would hit the edge of that and it was forcing the ball to grind cartilage out of the bottom of it. So every time I get off, it just feel like somebody had stuck a knife in there and was twisting on it. Oh, hell, you only did that for 10 years, Kelly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I found this doctor invented, invented this surgery to 
fix that, avoid hip replacement. So he operated on me, said, you'll never ride again. I was depressed. I was miserable for two years. Um, what, what, did, what were you doing for revenue? I had to reinvent my life because, you know, I always, I just thought I'd ride bucking horses till I died. <laughs> you know, I, I needed to ride. I didn't have a plan for the future. And so I started welding and building fence and uh, uh, I was crippled. You know, I'd had seven major surgeries and it, it had taken a toll on me. I couldn't get through a day of work. Um, I didn't, couldn't sleep. I hurt all the time. And a friend of mine says, hey, you ought to come train with us. We'll get you back in shape. I was like, well, what are you doing? And he says, well, MMA. And I said, what's that? So I didn't even know what it was. I, I mean, I'm Punch going each other in the face. <laughs> right. Come join us. I just rehabbed my hip that I've been riding bucking horses on for 10 years. And then I find out that, yeah, I just get past a, uh, uncle Dave just passed me a photo of you and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> You're the Terminator of the rodeo world. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. when I break a hip, I rebound every day for 10 years and then I get done and then I punch people in the face. I go punch fools. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's really good. So why in the world did you think MMA MMA was a good fight? Was a good choice? I didn't. I walked up, I went up, I said, well, I better go watch and see what these guys are doing. So I watched one night and I thought, man, I don't know if I'm man enough for this game. (laughs) But I started training and three months training with those guys, I felt better than I had my whole life. It's like, hey, you want to fight? And I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> so I, I had my first fight right here in Twin Falls. And uh, I, How I old are you? Then? Yeah. Uh, I must have been 46. That was 45, 46. And I'm running out of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> so then I took it on five minutes notice. I just went and ate a big meal, had a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it was the testosterone coming through your microphone has made my beard grow four inches since we've been sitting here <laughs> he's like hey i got a fight for you i'm like dude i just ate dinner he's like no you'll be all right like, oh, okay and you know it's my first fight and i i go out there and i'd never been hit with those little gloves <laughs> in, tra- in training we use thicker Boxing. battered gloves and this kid tags me right in the ear and I'm like, ow, that hurts. And uh, so I took him down. I whooped his butt in about a minute and 50 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> just had to hit him once. <laughs> just, you just have to, you have to wake up the rhino. And then once he's mad, yeah. the horn's coming. Yeah. And so I did, the, I had my own MMA gym for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And we'd go fight in Boise and there was about it. At the height of it, we had only about 10 guys training there. But, you know, that it saved my life. I was always the little kid, the, the picked-on guy. Um, didn't ever want to fight because I knew I'd get my butt kicked. So, Did it give you a complex? Did it give you – I mean, did you – like the first time you got on a bucking horse, were you sitting there thinking, this is this is for all the guys that said I couldn't do it or I was – I'm going to prove. Was it kind of – I'm going to prove not only to myself but – everybody's going to know. I think there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that in the fight deal. You know, there's, because I, I, I got that my whole life. You can't do that. Somebody tells me I can't do something, then that just motivates me to, to prove them wrong. Take you down in a minute, 50 seconds. Whoop your butt. Yeah. Now you know why Mitch was shaking yeah, was, in his boots after he punched yeah. him in. <laughs> I understand time. that, Mitch. <laughs> How old were you when you, your last fight? I think I was 51, my last fight. The kid I fought was 22. <laughs> He looks like Sam Elliott, but <laughs> I think he'd roll Sam Elliott up like a cheap date. <laughs> Easy. 
<laughs> There's a bunch of women that are listening to this going, don't you dare talk about Sam Elliott like this. <laughs> you haven't seen Kelly. <laughs> you married? No, nope. I have a partner in life that we've been together for a long time. Okay. But I never, ever got married. What, so, so now you're an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And would you say that, have you proven what you wanted to prove in life? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think yes, sometimes no. You know, when I, when I start fighting and then that 22 year old whooped my butt. So the American came around and I cracked back out and decided to ride bareback horses when I was 51. So didn't you guys ride together or something like that? Or? Yeah. When I was just coming around, just starting when this all started, the American is uh is an event where a guy that is just starting, maybe an amateur kid, he can go through a progressive rounds of qualifying to get there, to compete with some of the best, rodeo athletes in the world and if you're one of those qualifiers you know such as kelly coming back and having to go to those open bareback ridings he was going to be eligible to win a million dollars and compete in arlington at 52 years old yeah (laughs) and i mean i think he beat me at the first one i went to he was tough to beat (laughs) i saw videos of him when he cracked back out and it looked like he never skipped a beat oh do you still have that itch every now and then? You're like, yes, oh, he no. does. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact he does. I'm not going to lie. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those itches. I don't think I'll have to scratch it now, but right. You know, those, I, I tell these guys, those two years were probably the greatest of my career because I relished every second of it. And I looked at the things that I took for granted when I was their age. And I said, man, you, you got to soak in every bit of it competing against these guys at my age and seeing the, the drive and the, the excitement in them that I had when I was, and to be able to compete with them at my age, it was. That's a pinnacle. It was amazing. You know, the, the last year I rode was 2015. I made the short round at Pendleton. I don't know how many years I won it in 97. So that was a long time after, but I placed at every rodeo I went to that year. I placed in every round of the circuit finals and I think of one second in the average that year behind Mason and Casey. It was a Flat bellies. You can't even say that with Kelly here. His belly's flatter than yours, Mason. Not really flat. It's chiseled. Yeah. Sculpted from yeah. Zeus. Sculpted. So, Kelly, I mean, you're yoked. I mean, you know, I've been sucking my gut in for right at 27 minutes now, and I'm about to pass out. Um, what are you, what's your regiment now? What are you, what are you doing to keep your mental space good? What are you doing to, to keep your body good? Because okay, it's got to be, Coming and I'm again, I'm assuming makes an ass out of me and you. But if if you've you've lived this unbelievable life of highlight reels, you know, you've gone to the bottom, you've come to the top, you've gone to the bottom, you got, you know, you got your first sponsor, all of those kind of things. What are you doing to keep your mental space clear now? Are you are you living through the guys that you're training? Yeah, I guess you could say that. You know, like I said, MMA saved my life because it gave me the dedication to work out every day. Mm-hmm. You still and working out every day? I still work out every day. I teach the exercise class for the rodeo team and they keep me young. And the fact that I look back at how I was before MMA and I was crippled and I've had some back surgeries and different things where I've had to take time off. And, you know, I'll be working out till I'm the rest of my life just to function right. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the way I feel. I feel like I'm 20 and it's I never worked out when I rodeoed when I was these guys age. And so now it's kind of, I want to give them a shorter road than I took. Right. You know, my road was long and graveled, lots of potholes, 
I wanted them to ride the interstate to their goals. I mean, that's a testament to you that will long be honored and the young guys. That's what motivates me. Right. Right there. So you don't lose that. You don't lose that, that drive and that work ethic at a professional level. And then going on past that career, like I told Rihanna the other day, I'm going to keep doing all these workouts till I can't do them. Literally cannot do it. Yeah. You can watch uh, David Goggins. You know, you watch that guy. I mean, he can't even walk right now. His knees are crippled up, but at the same time, it doesn't slow him down at all. And he says the key to his success in life is the fact that he's going to continue to push and develop himself. The way he does that is by working out. Obviously, it's the same regiment that Kelly's chosen. Same mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mitch, you how long have you been pro rodeoing? Uh, Five, five years, six years, six, like rodeoing full time, two or three. Okay, And. You, I mean, baseball player growing up. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love baseball. I, I junior rodeoed and stuff, and you know, junior rodeo in the summertime, and then you got. What were you doing? Were you riding bucking horses? No, no, no. We just, you know, calf roping and and team roping and and goat tying and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I I rode calves and did that, but then when I got to the age where we had to ride the cows and the miniature bulls and stuff, I was like, nope, I did not like that. Right. And then we had to make a decision whether to, you know, play travel baseball or rodeo because we got so busy. Uh, I chose baseball and just took off and I was I was happy. I was happy with the way it went. And and I look back now and I'm not disappointed that I didn't make a decision to rodeo in high school or anything like that. I was 20, 21 when I got on my first bucking horse. I wasn't burnt out or anything like that. And now I'm now you're living a, a lot of yep. a lot of kids that grow up in rodeo get that fast you know they're kind of like any other sport mm-hmm. you play it for so long as a kid and there could come a day when you're 18 19 and you see everybody going off and doing other avenues you kind of lose that fire and you get burnt out in that and i, I tell kids all the time they ask me when you know i want to start riding bareback courses and they're you know 14 15 years old and i said hey just go play sports go go wrestle mm-hmm. go get some size some weight on you and keep craving wanting to get on right because y- you need to be super strong super healthy and matured your body and your mind need to be matured to do a rough stock event mm-hmm. and like me and mitch kind of have the same story you know like mitch didn't rodeo like a lot of other guys did right growing up and at 21 when we finally had that itch to do rough stock we were matured, strong enough, healthy enough that we could progress in a almost a fast track way, right? And that's yeah. kind of, is that kind of where Kelly, where you're at too? Is you're trying to take these guys that are finally getting the itch, and you're saying, okay, this is the way. Don't make the same mistakes. And exactly, yeah, you know, because of the because of the training and being able to ride again at 51, and knowing you know the workouts that I'd done with the MMA, I know it works. So. You know, when you're young, you think you're bulletproof and you don't need to work out. But, you know, how much easier it was for me, even at that age, physically was unbelievable Mm -hmm. because of the fitness level. And if I can make them do that and do it the rest of their life, that's. So, Mitch, let's talk a little bit about your saddle bronc rider. And I I had a uh, brief career in saddle bronc riding. Very brief um, for obvious reasons. I'm just too athletic. Um, you didn't even laugh at that. It made me feel even more out of shape. Thanks, Mitch. I really appreciate that. Jeez. 
Um, but the, the fundamental differences. So for people that are listening to this, that don't understand the differences between bareback riding, we talked to Mason about that and, and how there is no saddle, you know, you got your handle and we talked about crafting your, your grip and all of those kind of things. Walk us through the, the basics of saddle bronc riding. Uh, you have your buck rein, uh, and your saddle and so buck, buck rein your buck rein is is uh <clears throat> it's like a lead rope yeah a, a lead rope that's hooked to the halter and that's what you use to to keep your butt in the saddle you you pick up on it you lift on your rein and that's uh that's what keeps you in the saddle the whole time and then uh your your saddle's built different than than your regular saddle your your stirrups uh that you have binds and stuff like that like a normal saddle your your leathers your stirrup leathers are free moving they can go all the way back there's a bind on a uh a bronc saddle that creates pressure between your legs and the swells. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's funny. You hear all these old timers. They say, yep, it's pretty simple. You just keep your shoulders back and lift on your bronc rein and set your feet. And at first you're like, that's all it takes. But honestly, keep things simple and do that. So you, you still have to mark a horse out just like you would if you're, yep. if you're <laughs> still have to mark a horse yeah. out. So you, you Meaning we're, we're keeping our heels in front or up over the top of the, the horse's shoulder. When they open the gate, when he puts his front feet down, then that is kind of the trigger point that releases you into the ride, correct? Yep. Okay, man, I'm going to be a rodeo announcer by the time this thing's over yep, with. You got it. And so... You going to be a judge? <laughs> right. <laughs> Visions 2020. <laughs> so, uh, so... The, the components are completely different, though, because if you look at the way you are, you guys, it seems like you're yeah, we're you're vertical. Up. Yeah, we're sitting up more than, than a bareback rider would, you know, bareback riders lean back. and But we still want to, I mean, the same concept. We want to keep our shoulders back behind our hips. Uh, and just like these guys, they're lifting on their rig and we're lifting on our rein. You're still wanting to set your feet. Uh, the spur in motion's different. Uh, we, we spur horses. Uh, we try to from the knee down. Um, from the knee down. So you're trying to keep your thighs tight. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want to do the spurring motion with your whole body. You just, you want to keep your body pretty, pretty stationary up here. And, and that helps keep your hips, uh, in, in your shoulders behind your hips. What, what core muscle group are you working out the most? Uh, the lower ones. So abs, abs, yeah, your psoas, hip flexors, yep. All back. Same as you. Yep. 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 So that's horseman. Chip, just super strong core, low back. I'm starting to understand why I wasn't very good at bronc riding. <laughs> if um, so, you've been rodeoing professionally two years. No, uh, it's been five, five, six, six, six years. years. But I've only those first three. I was only I went to probably 25, 30 rodeos those first three years, and then uh, I got in with a really good group of guys, uh, and that's when I started rodeoing hard. Been to the finals. One time last year last was year. my first was my first time. And is it was it the hook? Is it? I mean, you're you're oh. you're glued now. It's. I was hooked from the very first horse I got on. Yeah. The very very first one I can remember it like it was yesterday. I'm not joking. I you hear a lot of guys say I can't remember anything. I black out or I can remember exactly what happened and I knew when I got off. That's what I was going to do until I couldn't do it anymore. And you're married. Yes. Okay. Yes. Any kids? No kids. No kids. Nope. What's your What's your woman think about your your choice of occupation? She absolutely loves it, and she supports me every single day. And without without her support, I wouldn't be where I am right, right. now. She she I actually met her on the rodeo team. She okay. rodeoed, uh, and she still goats uh, barrels. 
uh, she barreled and barrel raced and uh, team roped and did did the roping events. Uh, she wasn't much of a go tire. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, going forward, um, are you up tonight? Saturday. 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 So tonight we're going. The, the reason that I'm fortunate enough to be up here is we're watching. We're telling the rest of Mason's story right now, and uh, and we're gonna go watch him tonight. And then we're going to meet back up at the Riggin Rally in in uh, the Bitterroot Valley in Montana, which I'm really looking forward to. Chaffee sponsoring that event. Oh, we're, boy. Oh, boy. I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about the mustache. I might have to just pull that out for, for that. I just don't you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking forward and as difficult of a year as COVID has brought onto this, you know, we talked about that with Mason a little bit. But for you and Kelly both, Kelly, what are the what are the kids saying as far as are, is college rodeo still rocking and rolling? Um, there are regions that I don't think are. Uh, our region, we're gonna, we've got some rodeos this fall, and we're we're moving ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's. And then with you trying to pick and choose, and everything getting canceled all the time, um, it's hard. But you just got to stay positive. And I look at the plus side. I've been able to stay home a lot this year and get things done here. And because next year. We're going to be back rodeoing. Are you hoping? Are you hoping that Saddlebronc gets something similar to the to the Rigging Rally? Mitch, tell him what you come on, Mitch. Backyard. Uh, uh, So when I saw the first Rigging Rally take place, I was like, man, at at Sids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, I want I want to get some of my bronc riding buddies together. And I mean, I'm not. I didn't expect to have that much money added. And I told Kelly, I said, hey, uh, I, I might need some help, but. I want to put this bronc riding on the backyard bronc bash. And, uh, so he said, all right. And, uh, we got some buck and shoots from here out to my place. And Kelly looked at me and said, you got a lot of work to do in three weeks, bud. <laughs> I said, yep, I sure do. And I went to work in and got it all put together. And my sponsors, I got $10,000 added to it. And it all went to the Cowboys. Uh, got some awesome prizes donated for the top five guys that came back. Had a Calcutta. The Calcutta was awesome. Uh, I had buddies from Boise donate uh, all the beer. We had free beer for everybody. We had eight, 600 to 800 people show up. It couldn't have been that big. I didn't hear about it. <laughs> Kelly was one of my judges. Steve was the other judge. And all of Twin Falls showed up. And I had people from Nevada show up. I had people from Boise. Uh, they they. They come from all over. Now, I don't want to get, since the two of you are still members of the Pro Rodeo, you know, organization, I don't want to encroach on anything business side on that end. But at the same time, with the way things have fallen as a way the cookie has crumbled, do you think the sport of rodeo is changing forever as of 2020? Or do you think that this is a hiccup? Everything goes back to Vegas and the the rodeo world just comes back the way it normally was. I hope it goes back to Vegas. I, I believe it will go back to Vegas. But I also think that we're seeing the start of a new rodeo. Well, look at professional industry. sports in, in, in general right now. I mean, you, you you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, you look at even college football and things like that. And it's changing because it, it's getting it's getting less about the sport and it's getting more about the, the politics of it. And well, do you yeah. feel like there's politics coming into rodeo? A lot. And it's it's pretty sad. But I don't think in the same way that. No, that no, not, not like those sports. There's politics, and but it's more in-service politics. It's not, you know, you're not going to see rodeo ever be like that. Why not? It, I just, it just it same won't. reason you see everybody standing up, putting their hand over their heart, standing for the national anthem. Yeah. rodeo, it's stuck in their head during yeah, the prayer. It, at the same time, though, you're you're starting to see some of these things crumble around. I stopped watching the NFL 
I don't know how many years ago, you know, and I've, I've never been a NASCAR fan or anything like that, but I've been looking for something that I can get invested in as, as a viewer. I want something that I have that connection to, which I'm very grateful for Mason. Rodeo people are, are just good down to earth people that they respect people. They respect our military. Um, we're just well we're just in the Western way of life, the heritage of, of salt of the earth, where, people, where it yes. came from. Well, that's kind of why we get along. We are salt of the earth. People. And at the same time, back on that, do you see rodeo changing? I hope it changes, you know, for the better of us. But at the same time, I watch old videos and I don't want it to change from what they, you know, there's just something about what they went through that I kind of, you know. A, a I, Buick I never, Skylark and a Chris Ledoux tape, a track in there. And yeah, yeah. I, and I never want to see it leave the Thomas and Mac. Vegas makes the national finals rodeo. That Thomas and Mac is so special. And, and being able to walk through that alleyway. That Where so many legends have walked yes. through. And, and when you go to your locker room and you're reading the, the past champions and just everything they have on the walls, uh, it, there's just something special about that place that you can't replace that. I compare it a little. In there I and think you're sitting in a chair that Kelly sat in. Tons of legends sat in there yeah and you just like we after the day before the first round of the finals we walk in there and we drop our gear bags on the floor you know all 15 guys in the bareback riding room and i'm sure it's same way in the sal bronc riding room and there's a good 15 20 minutes that nobody says a word because I we're can't, just all speechless. just you, you rent, can't you just look around. taking it in you're just that speechless and feel that much energy just sitting in that locker room. And there's room. a smell to that place. I'm not kidding. There's a smell different than any other. Does it smell like velvet tombstones? <laughs> better. Way better. Way, Way better. gooder. Way gooder. Way gooder. It's, it's so here, here's place. where I'm drawing a comparison to right now in, in my mind. I, I recently watched with my daughter the other day, Miracle, the hockey movie mm-hmm. of in the 80s when we beat Russia. And how the NHL and the, the professional players at that time would either go to, you either went to the NHL or you had a shot at the Olympic team. And looking at that, you see a whole lot of, and remember, I'm removed from rodeo. I don't understand the politics of it very well. But in the PBR, it seems like a lot of the bull riders in the PBR that followed the money because the PBR is paying the cowboy. And and so I'm just wondering if you're seeing something along the lines of NHL or PBR that finally says, hey, we're going to highlight an individualized sport, or maybe it's rough stock altogether. Maybe the PBR morphs into more of just a rough stock event. Is that, am I out in left field? No, you're not, but it's, I I don't think so. You know, there's uh there's always going to be, I'm a rodeo fan, right? You know, and the whole thing. And there's a, there's a reason why you can see, you can go to a rodeo and like Pendleton, Oregon, and it's sold out or any outdoor rodeo that you go to is packed for every day. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that, that the PBRs aren't packed. They have a great viewership on television. But if you go to those PBRs, and I love watching the bull riding, I, those guys deserve every penny they get as far as I'm concerned. But their fan base is different. That's more of the monster truck. Right. And they're they're not packed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they fill those arenas half full. And PBR finals, they get really good crowds. But, you know, rodeo fans are are different. Mm-hmm. They, they love the whole sport. And I... I, re- I really don't want to see it go to just rough stock. I think what they're doing 
with like the rigging rally and they have the extreme Bronx and the extreme bulls. They have some different events that are separate, different calf roping, team roping, but rodeo as a whole, you know, I think is, that's the foundation of our country. If yep. you go to a professional rodeo and I mean, original, watch, original American sport. It's original. You, you stand, put your hand over your heart for the national anthem. They say a prayer before every rodeo. It's, you know, it's just, it's America. Do you think that there is, is there a way for people like me to bring more light to rodeo? Because people are honestly, they're hungry for the story. That's why us at Chaffee have latched onto Mason. Because we're 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 hungry for people like Mason that that want to live that Americana, that American dream. That are saying, "Hey, we're still beating the highway up. We're still out here putting our hat over our heart. We're still praying. We're still doing this." And I think there's a whole core of Americans that probably and and don't let this sound insulting, but forget about rodeo. Oh, they do. There's so many people. You know, do. the only time to think about it is when the county fair is coming. Yep. So, is there a way that that we can promote rodeo to the fact where someone's like, you know what? And that's the, the the thing, if you look at my phone and look at the top apps that I look at, it's standings now. And the fact that every week I get on and see where Mason's at. I want to see, you know, now, now I got somebody else to be watching too over here with Mitch. So so as as I'm looking at these stats and doing that kind of stuff, it's something that us as a team, when we were drinking coffee in the office in the morning, we're talking about, hey, who's doing what? Oh gosh, Mason, you know. 78, you were worth 83 on that. Come on, man. I mean, this, this is ridiculous. And I get the text, too. Right. <laughs> so I'll it's, tell you how you do it. It's simple. Oh, I like this. Message that rodeo athlete on Facebook, Instagram. Send them a message and ask them, where, where are you at this week? If they don't have it posted on their social media, just ask them where they're at. Just And if you're close, if you're close... Go to that rodeo, support that rodeo. And talk about, I mean, talk about as, support as healthy of an experience for your kids to be able to watch and enjoy. You don't have to worry about a halftime show with a boob popping out. You know, it's it's a wholesome event. The guys are going, darn it. Um, but it, 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 at the Once same time. That rodeo. <laughs> that's why you work out so you don't have that problem. Did you hear that? His fiance sitting in the back sharpening a knife right now. So to promote rodeo. We need to, as as spectators, we need to be plugging into the cowboy and the cowgirl. I think contact them. Don't don't think that we don't like that. And and if a guy doesn't respond to it, go to the next guy. Right. And we need more guys like you guys. Yeah, exposure. Telling the story. Yep. Yep. It's and it's a common thing, you know. Back when I was rodeoing, sponsorships were few and far between. Mm-hmm. I met a guy at a golf tournament in Houston. You golfer? A little bit. Of course you are. <laughs> you got it all, Kelly. And uh, What's your handicap? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's up there right now. <laughs> you got to work yeah. those hips a little bit more. Yeah. He said, well, I want to sponsor you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. I, I'd heard this story before, but that guy came into my life at that time. He, he came to the Houston Rodeo every year. They had a box up and way up high. But they never came to watch the rodeo. They came for the party and to watch the star. Mm-hmm. And after I met this guy and he started sponsoring me, I met all his friends. All of those people are still very, very good friends of mine. He would bring 20 or 30 people to a rodeo that was close. And he just, he was all in. And all of his friends were all in. And it, it was an incredible thing to, to teach somebody about rodeo that didn't know anything about it. And He's still a huge rodeo fan. 
I still stay in contact with all of those people in Houston. He, he helped. We started a, a barbecue cook-off during the Houston rodeo. You have to box at that one too? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Different kind of smoker. Oh. We started our own deal to help cowboys. It was called Should Have Been a Cowboy Association because every time we get to drinking, those guys get up and sing Should Have Been a Cowboy. But <laughs> <laughs> it was, we raised 100000 a year for 10 years. Holy cow. And, you know, if the cowboys had come up there, he built a bunkhouse. They could stay there for free. If they come help at the barbecue, they put their name on a board and it was called Adopt a Cowboy. And at that time, our entry fees at Houston were $500. Local people that came to that barbecue would, would adopt a cowboy and pay his entry fees. It's got to be it's got to be tough too. I can see how that would work for your big rodeos. But I mean, as you guys, I mean, Mitch, what's your schedule this week through uh, Sunday? <clears throat> We go uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So we, we're busy this weekend. Yeah, but where are you going? Uh, we go uh, Filer, Evanston, Parowin, Utah, and then uh, Blackfoot. I boom, know. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Mason, you got Filer tonight. Tonight we're starting Filer, and then I'll get in the truck and drive eight hours down to, or 10 hours to Gunnison, Colorado, and then come back home, get to sleep in my own bed. <laughs> And then go to Evanston, Wyoming, Saturday. As soon as that's over, I got to drive eight, nine hours up to Missoula, Montana, catch a flight and fly to Oklahoma City and ride in Elk City, Oklahoma that night. Fly back Monday morning to Missoula and drive an hour and a half down to Darby. You're 100 miles an hour. And that's and that's a light week. Right. Honestly. That's a light week. That's a pretty easy week. So what I'm getting at with that is, you know, you guys don't have a, necessarily a lot of time. Because, I mean, you get done, you know, thank the good Lord, everything's good and sound. You're back in the truck, you're rolling. But maybe for the for the big rodeos, there's some of these events like what Kelly was saying where, where people like me can try to get people together to support you a little bit more. And I want to go back to that. And this is a message more for the rodeo athletes. We have to, as athletes, you know, we want more money and we want more recognition and this and that. You as an athlete need to be willing to go up and shake that guy's hand and introduce yourself because they don't know who you are and they don't know how a rodeo athlete operates. It's not like we have lines of people waiting outside the locker room to sign autographs and meet you and shake your hand and and do all these cool events with. We as athletes have got to step up to go meet people. Rodeo's got autograph signings. Mm -hmm. They ask you to stay for half an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. Stay for a half an hour. Right. Sign autographs, make that kid's night, maybe his life, his future, to be a cowboy. See, and I think that was the and thing is in college. You as a company, you want to get into that, right? Yeah. Like, wow, that's an awesome person. Well, I get we to live vicariously through you. That person. You know, I mean, that's the thing that I, I enjoyed the most about supporting is, you know, I, I, I want to know where you're at on the road. I want to know how it's going. I want to, you know, you and Johnny have a good conversation all the time. I get to, you know, we get to talk about hunting and we talk about rodeo a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I met Mitch two and a half, three hours ago and he walked in, you know, whatever. And the first thing I did is start just razzing him, you know, and that's, that's a, that's a testament. That's how I knew you liked me. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He didn't try to kiss me. Uh, so, so the, the thing about that is, is it's a, it's a sport full of genuine people. And we do know there's bad eggs. We do know there's a cocky sucker that every you just, sports got every single every sports sport got one. People love them. People hate them. I was going to say somebody, but I'm not going to do that. So it, at the same time, if, if we've got, if we've got people starting to, to bolster some support for what you guys are doing and we're starting to bring you know that back in. And as a sponsor, 
I know this is how I feel. I'm the money's nice, you know, and it helps us get down the road and pay bills and stuff like that. To, but to be honest with you, I just love riding bucking horses and I want a gold buckle so bad that I'm going to do it no matter whether I'm, you know, getting paid from a endorsement person, you know, or, or just on my own. I'm going to do it myself, whether I have that money or not. I'm going to figure out a way. And for us, too, I mean, it's one of those things that I don't want to just write you a check. No, I want to be invested. Yeah. I want to know, you know, that's the that's the beauty of the relationship. The, our friendship with Mason is more than than anything that we can do down the road to support him. Yep. It's it's I built a good friend. Yep. And so we want to continue to build those relationships. And and so so people out there, if you're looking at sponsoring a cowboy, if you've got a business, you know, these are the kind of guys that you want to associate yourself with. But at the same time, you guys aren't sitting there just waiting to smile in front of a cardboard cutout of yourself. You're wanting some connection with it. Let me tell you a story. So last year. Tell me a story, Mitch. This guy I've never met before, right? I needed uh, a plane ride from Twin Falls to Cheyenne and back to Nampa, Idaho, all in one day. Uh, I called Cody Demers. He knew a guy here, called the guy. His name's Greg Olson. Uh, He told me to meet him at the airport. It's seven in the morning. We hopped in his plane. We flew to Cheyenne, took him to the buck and shoots. He loved it. We flew to Nampa, flew back, and we've been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. And and that and he will do anything for me if if I mean he whatever I need, he would help me do and that's and that's And I think awesome. he knows the same thing with you. If he had to yep, go adjust exactly. a prop on his plane, he'd be like, I don't know how to adjust a prop, uh, but I'll that, be there to hold the wrench. Mm-hmm. You know, (laughs) I don't want to mess with those planes. (laughs) No joke. But but just like that, those kind of people, they'll be friends for the rest of rest of your life. Kelly, this hour is a testament to your life in rodeo. The fact that you've got younger generations like this that are still trying to think outside the box and still trying to grind every single day. And it's legends like you that have carved that gaping hole in their heart that makes them want to do something that you've done. And so as we've talked a little bit today and talked about what you've had to go through and what you've done, and I say what you've had to go through, what you put yourself through to do this is an unbelievable testament for rodeo. Um, And it's an unbelievable testament. You know, I'm hoping people out there let their sons or their daughters listen to this because if there's something, a dream that you want to live, all it takes is a determination and enough uh, jumping jacks and, and you can do it. Yeah, I punch them in the face enough times. (laughs) But but I want to say thank you, Kelly, to at least, you know, to sitting down with us and then to sharing a little bit of your story and then working with the younger generations. I mean, it's a testament to rodeo and it's people like you that will help live rodeo for generations to come. He's painted a picture for me, for sure, of what I want to how I want to give back to rodeo when my job of rodeo riding a bucking horse is over. I always tell him, you know, it's an honor to know you, Kelly. And I'm humbled to be sitting in a room with you every time I'm there. Kelly, you're there. your life is a success story. He gives back. And we said it yesterday. Not everybody did that when he was around. And it's awesome that he saw that and he's doing it now. Like he's going to be that guy that's going to go help whoever it is that wants to get really anything they want to get. I'm not saying this so you don't punch me. I mean, but success is not measured in a platinum pickup. Mm-hmm. Success is is measured in the way that a person will look at you and look to you for things that are happening in their past and their future. And anybody I know can look at Kelly Wardell and say that is a good, good person. I like, you know, watching these guys and, and being able to, to help them take that route. 
you can see the try and determination and these guys and lots of guys I've helped, but it's, it's so special to me to see them carry on the tradition because I love rodeo. That's all I've ever known my whole life. I, I love the sport. These guys love the sport. And I know that rodeo's in good hands with them. You know, Mason and Mitch have both said that they want to coach when they're done and they'll be amazing coaches. They'll, they'll carry it on. And, you know, when I'm long gone, they'll have, students of their own carrying it on, I hope. Well, you've got a good solid 80 years left in you, by the way you look, Kelly. So <laughs> that torch isn't getting passed anytime soon. Yeah, I made him make work. make a promise to me that he would be there at my first NFR tying the, the neck ropes in, and he was. And he just, the first horse I climbed over, he just looked at me and smiled. And it was... It was cool. Yeah. It was really cool. I asked... Same, uh, same, same. I remember climbing over Time's Up with Frontiers just, and thinking... Holy shit, how big this horse was. <laughs> and then I looked over at Kayla and he's just smiling at me like, you're ready, Kayla. It's, it's your turn. Let's get it on. It's time to ride. I asked two questions on this on this podcast. Mason's already answered them, so I'm going to ask you both two questions. Um, the first off is what's your biggest fear, Mitch? Uh, it doesn't have to dis- pertain to rodeo. No. Disappointing myself. Like, I want to wake up every morning and look at myself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could to make myself better. Yeah, that's legitimate. Kelly? A lot of the same thing. I was thinking fear of failure. You know, everything I attempt, I just, I strive to to do that the very best I possibly can. I I owe that to my dad. Like, he hammered that into me. You you got time to do it over. You got time to do it right. So you you do it. Do it till you get it right. Second question, Kelly, you're going to start this one off since you said that you owe it to your dad. Excluding a family member or a religious preference, who's your biggest hero? Excluding my dad. Excluding a family member. Excluding the family. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It's really tough. And it's not fair because Mitch has got time to think about it now. No, yeah. I, I could have told you without even. Fire it. Kelly Wardell. Boom. And, and anybody, anybody that knows me, my wife, they would have said the same thing. I've, I've wrote it down. Who's your hero? And besides my dad, I, I love my dad to death. And, and he is my biggest hero. But Kelly Wardell is, is, is my other one. Well, Kelly, just in this short time, I think you're climbing the list of being one of my heroes, too. So there's there's always that. Did you figure it out? Well, I think, you know, Joe Alexander was my hero growing up. And I next to my dad, that that was the guy that I looked to. He was just a humble, quiet, five-time world champion. Like, Yeah. It was amazing. And he's the kind of guy that you strive to do. He was the kind of do. guy I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, that's it. I mean, it's that was the fastest hour in radio ever. It's rodeo time. It's rodeo time. Yeehaw. Yeah, I got to go do some push-ups, get ready for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, gentlemen, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I know, I know you all got stuff to do. You got to get you got to get straight for tonight, Mason and 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 uh, Mitch. I'll thanks, be there. Thanks I'm gonna for, go cook my wife some dinner, and then I'll uh, I'll show up out there. Thanks for the invite, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fat boy's got to eat. Um, thanks for having us. Thanks for shaping my hat, by the way. Yeah, I'm glad Mason told me to come on down to Vickers and. Yeah, absolutely. The big, big shout out to American Hat Company, Susan. We got to get you sponsoring this podcast. Come on, lady. But uh, I got my uh, got my second American hat shaped by Mitch. I just touched it up. You did touch it. <laughs> just right. <laughs> I feel just right now. All right, guys. Anything? Last words. That was an amazing hour. Had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. God, ble- God bless Rodeo and God bless all of you guys from all of us at out here in the middle in the Chaffee Company. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week.